Thank you, Pastor Dave, for your ministry and music, and thank you to all that have participated in our service this evening, and uh, thank you, teens, for your willingness to hand uh, the handout out. So I'll wait for uh, them to get that handed out. evening. And as you can see from your handout, uh, we are going to just be looking at one proverb tonight. We're going to be looking at Proverbs 4.23, which says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And as we start out, I believe this question answers two simple uh, questions for us. First, as you see, what are we called to do? All right, so we can break this proverb down into this. What are we called to do? And second, why are we to do this? So let's look into first, uh, the first point, Roman numeral number one. What does this proverb call us to do? Letter A, we are called to keep our hearts with all vigilance. As Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. We may ask, what does this mean? And in specific, let's look into the actual parts of this proverb. First off, letter A says, what is the heart? As Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. So maybe often in the scriptures you may read the scriptures and this word, the heart, comes up many times. And maybe it's not exactly what we think it means or uh, what it is. So... Look with me at number one, and we're going to see specifically what is the heart. <clears throat> in this verse, due to the context of this verse and the meaning of the heart often used in the scriptures, we see that it is not talking about the physical heart, but more of what we might think as we think about the word the mind. All right? I think in our terminology today, we often use maybe the mind or the soul to talk about this heart, what this um, proverb means by the heart. Number two, this simply is speaking of who we are, our character, what we desire, what we think, what we value, what we believe. You could say it's the inner core of a person. So we talk about what we value in life. I'll give you an example. Think about how we might say, I value family. This is part of who we are, part of the heart. Number four, it is not necessarily something that can be grasped or seen or defined fully as it is not necessarily a physical part of the body, but it is certainly a part of us as it ultimately defines who we are. So we might say that this isn't the organ of the body, the heart. It's not an actual maybe physical thing that uh, we could grasp or touch, but it is certainly a part of us. As we see, it means uh, who we are. Often we'd speak about this in terms of mind, but time after time, especially in the book of Proverbs and in many other places in the whole Bible, the word heart is used. So simply, by the heart, as we go forward tonight, 
maybe I think one of the best ways we can think about this is who we are. All right? Who you are as a person. Specifically, as I've already said, your desires, your values, maybe what you think about, maybe the choices that you make. The heart is who you are. Letter B. So we looked at what the heart is. Now let's look at what is the natural makeup of the heart. Or maybe what we could say, what is inside the heart. We can't look specifically at Proverbs 4.23 for this answer, but the book of Proverbs answers this question, what is the natural makeup of the heart, I think very well. First, the heart is sinful. So what's the natural makeup of the heart? First, it is sinful. And if we look at Proverbs 22.15, it says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. So simply, this proverb, or yes, this proverb, Proverbs 22.15 says, Folly. Most likely, when we're looking and studying the book of Proverbs, folly isn't what we often might think of, or the word foolish. We often think of the word folly as meaning maybe just dumb, but in the book of Proverbs, it's often talking about someone who is sinful and is evil. So folly is bound up in the heart of a child. So the, the child is born with this sinful heart. And as Proverbs 29 says, Who can say, I have made my heart pure? I am clean from my sin. So showing that sin is originally or naturally in the heart of man. All men have sin in their heart who they are, their desires, their choices, uh, what they value is corrupted by sin. Look with me at number two. Number two says the heart is not only bound to doing evil or sin. So what I mean by that is look at Proverbs 8.13, which says, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance in the way of evil, and perverted speech I hate. So only when one fears the Lord meaning that they have a reverent obedience. So that's what fearing the Lord means. It's a, a reverent obedience for God. Or maybe we'd use the terminology that we often use today, a saving knowledge with God. So this is someone that truly fears God, truly has a trust and a relational knowledge with God. Only when they do that can they hate sin and evil. Their heart is changed so they so that they no longer seek to do sin and evil, but to live in a godly way, a wise way. So when we, look at, when we think of the heart, look at it means who you are, but then secondly, we look at the natural makeup of the heart. It's ultimately sinful. The heart is sinful, but it's not bound to this sin. When one has a fear of God, when one has a saving relationship or knowledge with God, it isn't bound to this sin anymore. They can seek not to sin. Their desires, their choices, their values, who they are, their heart can be, in a sense, they can seek not to sin so that this natural makeup, in a sense, is gone. Look with me at letter B. It says, so yes, the natural makeup of man is a sinful heart, but that only can be changed with a fear of God. Letter C. What are we told to do with the heart? So we see what the heart is. Hopefully we have a pretty good understanding of it. Now, what does this proverb say for us to do? Number one says, we are commanded to watch over the heart. As Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. 
So when we look at this word uh, back in the original uh, text, which was the Hebrew text, this is a verb. This word to keep is a verb and it's meaning to watch or to guard. And I believe two illustrations can help us kind of understand what this proverb is getting at, that we are to keep the heart. What does it mean to watch or even to guard the heart? Think of a gardener. Picture a gardener, they plant their seed and they do all the proper things to help it grow, but they must protect and guard and watch over this plant or it will be destroyed. Maybe it will wither. It will either be killed or the fruit will not grow due to damage. So the gardener takes a metal fence and places it around the plant. The gardener sprays the plant so that insects do not eat at its leaves and fruit that is produced. The gardener, he has to pay careful attention to this plant, especially when maybe a storm comes in. He has to maybe cover the plant so that he can protect it. The gardener watches carefully, and it is not just a weekly job or a monthly job, but it is a daily job, maybe even an hourly job to take care of his garden, his plant. Think with me also as a, of a gatekeeper. All right, when we think of this word to keep, to watch, to guard, think of a, a gatekeeper. This word to keep makes me think of a gatekeeper in the sense that they would watch who came in and out of the town or castle, making sure that they were safe they watched carefully over the entrance to the town to make sure harm did not come through their gate. So take that picture of a gardener or take that picture of a gatekeeper and I think we can have a good understanding of maybe what's involved in keeping the heart or watching over the heart or guarding it. Look with me at number two. Number two gives us the second thing that we are to do involving the heart. We are commanded to watch over the heart with a complete garden. This comes from Proverbs 4.23, which says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So I would say this, get to maybe the trickier part of the, the proverb here. This word vigilance is a noun, all right? So to keep is, I would say, quite similar to this word vigilance, but to keep was a verb and vigilance a noun. And this word vigilance simply means back in the Hebrew, a guarding or a watching or a protecting. Letter B, this is the same word used in Nehemiah 4, 15 through 23, specifically verse 22, when it speaks of their guarding the wall that they were making. So we're not going to look into that passage and, and read in full, but simply we can think of Nehemiah. We knew that he is the man who rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem after it was destroyed, after the people of Israel went into exile, and they dealt with a lot of opposition. A lot of people trying to stop this, so they set up guards. And they guarded day and night their part of the wall. When some of the men were working on the wall, the other men, they were guarding. All right, so this complete guarding, as C says, <clears throat> excuse me, as C says, this is a careful and complete guarding. You are not letting anything slip past your sight. You are aware and alert. So if you look with me at D, I think this We'll summarize this first half or this first part of the proverb for us. To summarize the first part and half of this proverb, or to put it maybe just in other words, we could say watch over who you are as a person, your desires, your character, your values with a guarding that is aware, alert, and complete. But before we answer this question or answer the second question, 
We've been told what we are to do or what we are called to do from this proverb. Before we answer why we're to do this, I want to answer the question as to what is the heart to be kept from? All right, so we saw the natural makeup of a man, which was sin, but what is the heart to actually be kept from? What are we to be looking out, protecting it from, guarding it from, and watching it over to make sure this doesn't come? What is that? Um, I believe Proverbs 4, 20 through 22 answers this. So in, que in this question, we can look specifically to the preceding context. It says in Proverbs 4, 20 through 22, which is the immediate Verses before, of course, uh, Proverbs 4.23, it says in these verses, My son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. Verse 22 says, For they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. So we are to watch over our hearts that nothing contrary to this word as Proverbs 20 through 22 says, make sure nothing contrary to this word enters or dwells in them. And we may be thinking, what is this word? All right? What does this father tell his son to make sure this word goes and stays in his heart? What is this word? Look with me at Proverbs 4, verses 1 through 5. They say, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts, do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. So simply, you could say that this word is godly, words of godly wisdom. Nothing contrary to wisdom is to enter our hearts. We are to watch over our hearts that our desires and our thoughts do not become corrupted with sinful tendencies. Letter B. Not only bitterness or not allowing bitterness, lust, jealousy, or deceit corrode our heart, but only to allow wisdom to dwell within. Our hearts are to be kept from the sinful and foolish tendencies that naturally make up the heart. So that is what the heart is. That is how we are to handle the heart. Now let's look at why this proverb tells us that we are to do so. Look with me at Roman numeral number two. We come to our second question, which is why are we to do this? So we are called to keep our hearts, to watch them, to guard them with this complete, in this full guarding. Why? Why are we to watch over who we are as a person? Why are, do, why are we to guard our desires and thoughts from sin and evil. Look with me at Proverbs 4.23 again. Keep your heart with all vigilance, and here's the reason, for from it flow the springs of life. So Proverb gives us the reason at the, very, or at the second half of this proverb, for from it flow the springs of life. As letter B says, the proverb is relating the heart to a fountain. Just like water flows from a fountain, the quality, the pureness, and cleanness of the water depends upon the fountain it comes from. So too, the actions, decisions, plans, and the whole of our life depends upon what is in our heart. For example, number one, if our heart is corrupt, then our life will be corrupt. If our heart is joyful, then our life will be one of joy. 
If we are bitter our thoughts in our thoughts towards others, that bitterness will manifest itself both out in our words and our actions. And number four, if we love others within our heart, that love will be shown in how we act toward that person. So we see the heart has a direct effect on our actions, all right? How we live life, how in a sense we might live a moral life. Letter C. The context of the passage that Proverbs 4.23 is within lends itself to this understanding in verses 24 through 23 or through 27. So what this passage is going to show us is, in a sense, what is affected by the heart. It says in verses 24 through 27, Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. So as D says, the proverb shows the outflow of the heart in mentioning one's speech, eyes, and choices, and decisions one makes in choosing to live sinfully or righteously. So the rest of this proverb in the context, it lays out for us what the heart, what the heart affects. All right, the actions of life, so the speech, all right, the choices that are made, even what our eyes look at, the heart. It depends on the heart. E, these things can only be, be lived out, so the eyes, the speech, the choices, can only be lived out when the heart is intact, when the heart is producing these things. So that is, in a sense, the meaning of our proverb that we're dealing with today. We look at who we are and that we are to watch and to keep and to guard over it, and we see why, the reason why is simply because the heart affects everything else. It affects all the actions that we will do in our life. It affects our life completely. So look with me at Roman numeral number three. It kind of tries to sum it up or maybe put this proverb in other words. It says so simply, or in other words, since our proverb is so short, what is this proverb saying? Or what are we to take away from this proverb? What we can take away is watch over your heart with a great protection in every moment of life, realizing the effect that it will have on your life. So look with me at Roman numeral four. What I'd like to do now is look at what this actually looks like. All right, and we're going to look at quite um, shortly, but we're going to look at just a small piece from King Solomon's life, more towards um, kind of the middle, the latter part of his life. But we're going to look at the wisest man on earth, his, a part of his life. All right, King Solomon, if you don't know the back end of the story, he was the wisest man on the face of the earth. And we might ask, how could he sin in such a great way as we're going to see he did um, in this passage before us? So let's see how, in a sense, King Solomon is a poor example of this proverb he possibly wrote or he collected um, and see how he did not watch over his heart and his life was affected by it. So look with me at number one gives the point, King Solomon did not watch over his heart with a complete guarding. As 1 Kings 11, verse 1 says, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sid Sidonian, and Hittite women. So we see his heart loved these women. All right? he, he already had a wife, um, and these women were even foreign, which was against, further against God's commandments. So we see that King Solomon allowed his heart 
his desires to get away from him, and he loved these other women, and many of them. Number two, King Solomon loved, desired, and longed for many foreign women, or yeah, women directly disobeying God's commands. As 1 Kings 11.2 says, From the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, You shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. So we see how he desired and he longed for them, and we see that God, this was against God's commands. This was direct sin against God. And number three, King Solomon follows through with his lusts and takes these women for himself. As 1 Kings 11, 3 through 8 say, he had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God as was the heart of David, his father. Verse 5, For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord, as David, his father, had done. Then Solomon built a high place of, for Shemesh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites, on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrificed to their gods. So we see that King Solomon did not guard his desires and his thoughts, and he loved these women within his heart. This then led to him marrying some of these women and taking others to be his concubines. Not only did he have many wives, but they were foreign as well. This was a direct sin against God. So we also see how when his heart was not kept from sin, not only did he marry these foreign wives, but they led him into idolatry. He ended up building altars, places of worship for these other idols, obviously not God, against his God. And he built these things and worshipped these idols. So he let his heart somewhat get away here with these women, but it further progressed even into more sin in his life. It corrupted his actions even further in the sense that he worshipped other gods. As D says, King Solomon's life illustrates this proverb in a negative way, that he possibly wrote or at least collected the books, of Pro the books of the Proverbs. He did not watch over his heart and allowed himself to desire sin, to lust after women so that his actions and his life was corrupted with this lust in that he sinned by having all these women and worshiping their gods. So the simple point that we can take away from King Solomon is that his heart was corrupted. So the rest of his actions that he lived out, we see that they were corrupted as well. He allowed his heart to love, to even maybe lust after all these women, and that corrupted in his actions in the sense that he ended up actually marrying them. He ended up worshiping their gods and helping them worship the gods or the idols that they had. Look with me at the last point that we have. Number five, how can the heart be kept? Maybe that's one of the most important questions we can come when we come or that we can ask when we come to this proverb. How can the heart be kept? So as we think about how we can keep our hearts, how we can watch over them with great care, how we can guard them 
from the sins that are so prevalent and constantly tempting us, I ask if our hearts are so important as we see that they, um, in a sense, our actions depend on our heart. If we see that so important as they lead to all that we do in life, they will affect the whole of our life. I ask you the question, why? Don't we take more care to watch over, guard, and protect your heart? Let's look at how we can do this. First, if you look with me at letter A, it says, first, we do not have to stop having personal desires. And what I mean by that is simply, we do not have to become robots in the sense that we don't have our own likes and our own interests. We're just living out what we know is right or our parents said or what the Bible commands. But in a sense, we need to have our personal desires in check. We need to have them in check in the sense that we hold them back from sin. We are to desire the right things, the godly things, the wise things. Letter B. Second, be aware of and examine your thoughts. So that simply is just realizing what you are thinking about. Know what you are thinking. What are your desires? What are your values? What are the choices that you're making in your heart? Realize what you desire within your heart, what you love, what you value, what you focus on, and what your thoughts are thinking about. But not only aware of who you are, but examine them. Think about, are these right thoughts? Are these right desires? Are these according to God's commands? Letter C. Third, do not cultivate wrong desires and sinful thoughts. Do not dwell upon them and make them grow. But when you realize they are there, focus on shutting them down. So simply that means when you have these maybe sinful thoughts, all right, or maybe you're tempted in a certain way, don't cultivate these. Don't think upon them even more, but realize they are wrong and in a sense shut them down. Fourth, realize that it is inevitable that impure thoughts come. So you will be tempted. For example, you will be tempted to be bitter about someone's disrespect toward you. You will be tempted to lust after someone of the opposite gender. You will be tempted to think about how you can get revenge on your coworker for how he hum humiliated you the other day. And certainly we have to realize that temptation is not sin, but when we take it a step further and maybe think about how we can sin in this way or how we can do this or that, then that's when it becomes sin. So we have to realize and be, maybe have our guard up that these temptations are going to come. Fifth, don't place yourself in situations or with people which will spur sin to grow in your heart. So know the places that you're tempted in. Maybe it's a restaurant. Maybe it's um, when you're at a family member's house. Maybe if it's when you're in private. Know the places where you're tempted to sin. And then also know the people who aren't good influences on you. Kids, that may be people in school. Maybe for adults, it's people in the workplace or with your friends. So knowing the people that in a sense won't help you guard your heart or make it easier for you to let that guard down. F. Sixth, have heaven, having heavenly things on our minds and treasuring within your heart the word of God. As Proverbs 4.20 says, let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. So simply reflect on, meditate on, and think about God and his ways. Seventh, this is no mo monthly task or something to deal with when you get in trouble or when you are feeling guilty, but this is a 
habitual task. And by habitual, I just mean it's a continual thing that we are to be doing. We are to continually maybe examine our thoughts, all right? realize what we are thinking. We're to continually think about our desires, the desires that we have. I think of a practice that I had in Bible college, and I would imagine uh, some of the other Lancaster Bible College students are partaking in. We had a few classes where we had to do these things called character contracts. And simply what those were was we were working on our character or working on our heart. So we'd pick, for example, maybe I'm struggling with lying. I'd pick that sin, and I'd look in the scripture for different maybe examples or different verses about this sin of lying. And then I'd come up with different tasks uh, to, that would help me work on not lying. So maybe that would be getting an accountability partner. Maybe that would be studying these scriptures. Or maybe it would be uh, confessing this sin when it took place. So something like that. They gave us that practice of this character contract to continually work on our character, our hearts. So I think that was a good practice, um, and it helped me grow in my own character. Lastly, and possibly I would say the most important, we must realize that this watching over our hearts is no task that we complete alone or even by our own power. As number one says, it is only by God's working within us to help us to mold our hearts to conform to his word. Number two, it was, it was only by God that we could keep our hearts from sin in the first place. And then to continually do it, we need his help. Look with me at Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. I think this um, really gives us a good example or gives us a good um, scriptural layout of how God helps us with our heart. All right? How God is at work in our lives, focusing on our desires, our thoughts. And this is a, a prayer from Paul that he's praying for the Ephesians. It says in verse, starting in verse 14, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So may we pray this prayer as well, that Paul prayed for the Ephesians, may we pray it for each other, but also even for ourselves, that the Spirit would work in our inner being. That's talking about exactly this, the heart. That the Spirit would work in who we are, our desires, our thoughts, our values. May the Holy Spirit work in them. And as it says in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that the Holy Spirit would help put forward Christ in all of our thoughts. All right, Maybe the areas of our pleasures or our satisfactions. Maybe it's in the area of serving. That Christ would be at the center in our lives. That is the Holy Spirit doing that work. So we think of our proverb as we close tonight. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So I close with this. May we realize the great significance and effects of our heart, who we are, 
at the core. Our desires, our thoughts, our values affect all of our actions in our whole life. With that realization, may we watch over our heart with a great protection in every moment of life. So we've looked at the heart this evening. May we go away realizing certainly the importance of it, the great power of our heart, that it depends on it, all the actions, our whole entire life, what we think, what we desire, who we are in our heart. Depends on that is all of our actions. So I'll leave you with this. May we certainly try and do all these applications, but the one, as I said, the most important is may we look to God to do this because only by Him can we watch over and protect our heart. Let us pray together. Lord, I just thank you for this evening. Thank you for the time that we just get to get, to get, get together as the body of Christ. Lord, we thank you for all the other churches out there um, that are preaching your word. We thank you for them. But Lord, we thank you for bringing all of us here tonight. We thank you um, just for the fellowship that we have, the love that we have for one another. And Lord, we even thank you for the teaching of your word, the worship that we're able to have through song. We thank you for that freedom that we have. God, as we think about our hearts today, who we are, our character, our desires, God, we pray that you would certainly help us to watch over them, to seek to protect them, to guard them against the sins that are, uh, we are so easily tempted by, God. We are weak, and we need you, God. We pray that we would have a realization that um, our hearts on it depends on all of our actions in life. And God, we pray that you would help us to be aware of what we think and desire in our daily lives, maybe in private with our friends, uh, maybe at school or work, God. We just pray that you would help us as we go into our days tomorrow. Lord, we pray that we live a lifestyle that is pleasing and honoring to you. And in your name I pray, amen. We are dismissed.